1: Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road in scrutiny of the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the Darren Driver of the podcast, as wonderful off-the-mic as I am on it, and I'm joined today by the Darren Driver of the podcast, Martin Riley. I'll never let go, Darren. I'll never let go. And finally, the Darren Driver of the podcast, the missing part of the Leadership Council and making his All Stats Aren't We debut, it's Tom Hosty Tom, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Cheers, thank you. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say, Darren, I will never ever replace you. Just to out there <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah, no, no one will. No, you you were one of our uh, patrons, weren't you? So like, you've kind of been you know uh, in the patron in the Discord. Now you you're making the full debut up to the first team.
2: Yeah, so I was pitching, and then from that and a big thanks to everyone here. I've started doing a sport performance analysis course at Leeds Beckett University, and yeah, I think that's probably helped a lot with some of my musings that have got me here, I guess.
1: Very good. I think and Martin, you were another member of the All Stats, aren't we, Academy? You've made, made the path to the first team, haven't you? Exactly, there's a good pathway here, a good
3: pathway. I feel well looked after and I wasn't rushed and forced into it before I was ready, so it's good.
1: Yeah, I think it was you you two and then Jacob as well now, so yeah, got a good little pathway going. Um, before we start, we'll go, Tom, if you want to just sort of introduce yourself to the audience as it's your debut, just sort of tell us about your time supporting Leeds, what your memories are, favourite player, that sort of, those sort of usual questions.
2: Yeah, um, so I started. I probably started supporting as the downfall happened first time around in the Premier League. Um, became a season ticket holder in two thousand and one, and yeah, saw us get relegated. My favourite player for some reason at that time was Ian Hart. No idea why. Uh, yeah, and then one of my best memories is actually when I was mascot uh, in the first year in the Championship, and I took a penalty against Neil Sullivan, and it hit one post, went behind him, hit the other post, and came out, and uh, all the rest went straight straight at him. And Sean Dyche was captain for Watford that day as well. Actually, <laughs> uh, weirdly, um, yeah. And then, obviously, favourite moment probably just those whole years under in the promotion. Um, even though it was unfortunately behind the closed doors and that, but yeah, probably about fifteen years, twelve years now, thirteen years of Leeds fan. So, yeah. yeah, very
1: good. Yeah, I think as I started, probably just a little bit after you. and I think there's, there's quite a few of us around the same started around the same sort of time. Uh, I think it Adam as well. Yeah, all, all very good. Um, right, so at this point of the pod, we normally discuss the latest news, and since we haven't done a podcast for a while, we haven't actually had a chance to discuss the appointment of Leeds United's new manager. So I thought I'd give you both a chance to discuss to discuss um, your thoughts on Javi Gracia, about what he brings, if you think it's a good appointment, that sort of thing. Uh, Martin, if you want to start us off?
3: Uh, yeah, well, I've, I didn't know much about Gracia before. Um, he, I saw that he was linked to us, so I immediately started looking into what he's about. Watched some games of him at Valencia and also at Watford, and I, c- I can see why why they've gone for him if he's explained his way because he's got a good style to him. Which while it's, it may not look the most attractive football in, in the world, and especially his time at Watford didn't didn't really get that get get his style across well, but it is effective. Um, he has very, very good setting up a mid-block. It's very, very stable and hard to, to break through when his team are uh, drilled into it. Uh, especially when he was at Malaga, he had some very good um, keep, appearances, keeping out um, Messi, Suarez and Neymar, who, who were at the time, I think, they had it was two clean sheets which he kept against that front three, which is impressive, massively impressive. And also his time at Valencia, so I could, quite a few good, strong performances which kept our position. But in general, his strength is against teams who are around where they are. So when he was at Watford, he didn't do very well against the big boys, but he did do well against teams around Watford's level and around the middle of the table, which is exactly what I think we need. We need someone who can beat the teams who are around us in this league. And I'm quite glad to see it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. The opening game was a good show show of what he's about we saw some quite quick changes to the way we were playing previously so I'm
1: quite hopeful that this continues on. Tom what are your thoughts on Grassy's appointment?
2: Yeah at first I was kind of like oh it's one of the Watford regent, like one of the cycle of the Watford lot Uh, then I looked a bit more into it and it appeared that Watford fans obviously um, actually really never wanted him to go and kind of attribute their yo-yo-ness down to the sacking of him and I think as we mentioned in there, Martin about his style, it's it's not the most attractive in a sense, but it's kind of an attractive pragmatic. I feel from what I have seen, and what I've seen from his Watford stuff as well, and yeah, like I said, the the ability to beat teams around where we are, which is all we need, and yeah, I think it's the smart appointment. And I feel like previously with the other managers that were obviously mentioned, um, we were kind of trying to reach because since we've come up, we've tried to reach and i think we we need this settling step which is why also i wouldn't i if he keeps us up and we perform well in that like with, if he keeps us up with three or four games to go which would be an unbelievable achievement i'd be happy going into the next year with him as well just for stability because i don't like the idea of chopping and changing managers neither
1: yeah i'm i'm kind of on the um, same sort of idea as you guys that i think it's probably maybe the best we could have done at this t- time considering it's, it's not an ideal time to sack like a manager is it um, and like you say he's like it seems quite pragmatic to get the best out of the cause. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty positive about it as well. Um we did have a listener question actually. I'll come to you on this, Martin. It's from Andy Richardson who's um asked what are the potential flaws in Gracia's tactics and system that we need to watch out for?
3: Well, that's an interesting one, is that there's, um it's mainly gonna be against the bigger sides where, where we're gonna have find the flaws in his system. I think generally against teams who are around the level of where we, we should be at. And I think there won't be too many massive flaws. It's generally a pretty stable thing. Um, possibly you could say that it, chance creation sometimes he doesn't create loads of chances. There's a lot of lots of results which end with a one goal advantage, things along those lines. But he does seem quite confident and able to keep a lead once he's got it. Um, but yeah, against the bigger sides, when it is a big talent d- differential, that's where we will see issues, and I could see a few times where we do get beaten. But he has been able to keep him out as well at the same time, so it's not a guaranteed thing. and These are sort of games where we sh- shouldn't be expecting too much most of the time anyway. I know under Marsh, that was one of the few things that we were able to do, the odd giant killing here and there, but that doesn't do anything for us, really, <laughs> if we're only beating six clubs out of the league and not the other 14. So uh, I don't think there's many too glaring flaws in the style of play that he has and also the fact that he does make changes based on the team that he's got because his style that he played at Valencia was quite a bit different to what he played at Watford so he is willing to adapt to what he has and what personnel he's got even the little things about the way he would set up wingers depending on the wingers that he's got available sometimes he'll have one inverted and the other one wide and sometimes both of them will be wide if that's what the players that he's got his disposal are best at. So, uh, I don't, no, I don't think there's any, any too big glaring problems to answer the question.
1: Okay, so, yeah, what we'll pro probably want to keep an eye on then as the season progresses. And in that case, we'll move on to Gracia's first game then. So, a game summary of um, Leeds' 1-0 win against Southampton. So, Leeds set up in a 4-4-2 structure and generally were in a mid-block with some moments of high pressing, with Southampton adopting a 4-2-2-2 shape. There were, some, there were some times where we pressed highly, but mostly it was a pretty passive press. Leeds generally kept hold of the ball more than Southampton, ended the game with 60% possession. And Southampton were very happy to let Leeds have the ball, and they also set up in a mid-block, looking to focus more on transitional attacks. There wasn't a single big chance in the game per XG, with the best quality chance being just 0.1 XG. Neither team were willing to commit too many men forward and they were being stable and protected against counterattacks. In what was generally quite a low-quality match-up, the deadlock was broken in the 76-minute thanks to a softly-hit Junior Firpo shot, which Pizzunu spotted late and couldn't stop from going into the net. Leeds managed to see out the game for the closing 15 minutes and get a much-needed victory in Gracia's first game for the club. Does that sound good to you guys? Or is there anything else you uh, either of you want to shout about?
3: Oh, I can't think of anything which was missing there. Um, it pretty much covered everything which I felt happened in the game. Yeah, pretty
1: good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to the interrogation. So this is the interrogation, so where I asked uh, Martin, and Tom, a few questions just so we can get into the details about the game and work out what what went on, really. So the first question, um, Tom, I'll come to you. Watching the game, it was obvious how much more considered we were when we were on the ball. What would you attribute that to?
2: Um... I think it was a lot more easier to be considered due to the fact that the players had space to play in. So the fact that we weren't trying to play into a congested area where defenders could nip in and get the ball, it helped us be able to retain possession. So Southampton's defenders were having to think, I think it's been spoken and we'll probably come on to it where Nonto and Harrison were really hugging the wings and that just created a bit more space in the middle for us to take our time and find players and therefore, build with attacks where we wanted to build them.
1: Yeah, uh, Martin, how how much of what we did well on the ball was like due to us these changes, and how much was it just to be Southampton being rubbish? Really?
3: Yeah, the, it's hard to avoid that. Really, um, I think it is some of both of those things. I, I do think that the changes that we see to the style, um, especially with just how much more, Care we were having with the ball as opposed to any other game that we've had under Mash, and the pass completion of the game itself was the highest, higher than it's ever been under any game under Mash. Um, so I know the pass completion isn't everything, but it is shows so that we did want to keep hold of the ball more often. And there were times when we would um, f- f- cycle it down the wing, didn't see many openings, so we would pass it back to the defence, and that's not something we would ever see under Mash. We would see that ball get chucked into the middle, and then we'll try to win it back in a counter-press. So I think that's one of the reasons why um, we, we did well. But also, Southampton in general were pretty poor. The, the, their press that they had didn't really cause us any problems. It was very passive. Like, like was said in the game summary, they were happy to let us keep hold of the ball. So that did help us um, to keep hold of the ball. I will be interested to see how it will cope with a higher press, and that is something that we will see very soon against Chelsea. But considering how badly we did um, just last week against another one of the teams around us in Everton, who were also being poor for a while, I think it was very much a good step in the right direction. And I would say it was just just slightly more to do with us changing things than it was Southampton being poor.
1: Yep. Um, our question to the interrogation is a bit almost another follow-up to this. So, uh, Tom, we, we dominated the ball but didn't create any big chances or really threaten as much as we should have done in the final third considering our possession. Is this a concern going forward? Or do you think we will just improve with time under Gracia?
2: I'm hoping that we do just improve over time. I think uh, we've discussed how Gracia has adapted his teams previously, so I think he'll be looking for that solution now. Um, I think we tried to create a lot more by getting the ball to the byline and getting in crosses. So um, we attempted 26 crosses in this game, which is 10 above the average and 12 above the average since post-World Cup. Um, so that that was something which I noticed a lot. And Aaron, that's actually something that Aronson did quite well with where he beat the line, where he went past and then he got a few in. So there was the Somerville chance in the second half and the one in the first half, which uh, he could have done better to try and find Bamford in the middle. Um, so it'd be interesting if that carries on see if that got to be chance creation because I don't think those three midfielders of Aronson, McKenney and Adams have penetrative penetrative passes through the middle to create chances that way
1: yeah martin you you mentioned earlier about the uh, high pass completion um if that's a case of like we were being like too safe in possession that's why we weren't able to create the chances or do you think it was just like what do you think it's what a system thing or is the a personnel thing or what why do you think that was the case?
3: Well, regarding the
1: pass completion, although
3: it was the highest uh, higher than any game under Marsh, it still wasn't particularly massively high. It was only at eighty two point three percent, which obviously most uh, any teams who are looking to really keep hold of the ball will have put up higher numbers than that. <clears throat> and I do think there were the times but we did try to go for the, for the penetrative pass, but it, it just didn't always work. The execution wasn't perfect. I do think that it's something which is going to take more time for the team to get used to. They've been used to playing in a certain way under Marsh, and the adaptation to a more considered way of attacking will take some time. And there will be games where um, it'll be different, and we'll have more space to operate in under because Southampton, like we said before. They didn't press too high, and that he keep a fair amount of, They had a reasonably high line, but not not massively high. We found space on it at times during the first half, but then in the second half, they sort of shut that down a bit and did retreat more. So I, th- I think it is something that we'll just have to f- follow up on and see if it is going to be a concern going forward. Um, I'm I'm hoping it won't be. It's a team what I've seen in pre- previous games up for Gracia. I think we should see improvements when the team get used to it more.
1: Okay. Uh- Question three, um, I'll come back to you on this, Martin. So Southampton only put up 0.4 xG against us, and this is the joint lowest XGA and opponents put up against us this season. Do you attribute these changes to Gracia, or is it just, again, down to Southampton attacking poorly? Uh, once again, it's a, it is a combination of the two.
3: Um, Southampton really didn't get into the game that well, um, especially their attacking midfielders didn't really do much to create chances, and, that then the, and their attackers didn't really... Th- do much good to create space but also we did do a lot of good things different to the way we have been doing uh, i especially liked the way we uh, defended transitional attacks or, um, as we all know under marsh when we did that was one of our biggest problems when we was defending transitions was the players would be attracted to the ball side whichever wing that was going down and you'd end up with three to four people all in the area around the ball, and there weren't any people tracking runners and other things along those lines. And I think we were defending those transitions a lot better. We were trying to spread out players a bit more. Only maybe having one or two people near, near the attacker who was on on the wing, which meant that we had more cover in other areas. So I think that is one big difference because that was their biggest threat was going to be transitional attacks. That's the way they set up, not wanting to press too highly, trying to nick us on the counter attack. And also, I think another thing which helped is that we didn't commit as many men forward. Um, there was kind of a rest defence going on. Um, you would usually have at least three members of the team staying back. So I, I noticed a few times during the first half that you would have uh, Furpo going up the left side and Ailing would stay a little bit more reserved, maybe getting forward when it just came to, to inside the box. So he wasn't getting forward too quickly, just trying to get on the end of attacks rather than trying to get involved in the build up play and being too high to get back if needed to. And I think that also really helped that we had players back to be able to defend the transitions easier.
1: Yeah, Tom, was there anything else that you noticed that Leeds did differently or when you picked up when watching the game?
2: Yeah, um I think regarding the stopping the transitional attacks, we the defence would drop quite early to make sure that no balls could be played in over the top, which was obviously a weakness that we'd see as well. And the pace that Southampton do have with uh, is it Kamaladeen or Suleimana One of the two. Um, might, that might be both his names. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we alleviated that trouble by dropping deep and not letting him get a run on us. Um, regarding the rest defense, I think something else which I saw happen a few times was if it was on the left hand side, McKenny would join the attack on that side, and if it was on the right, Adams would. With then McKennie or Adams sitting a little deeper on that side to cover for the right back or the left back, um, which I thought it was just nicer to see than having everyone more or less at the edge of the pitch trying to just win a ball that might not, because that's what happened with the Aston Villa goal, right? Adams dives in yeah. when he's too high up. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was that that was the same sort of thing as I noticed? Like what, one of them went and the other one sort of sat back to cover for them, which. It just feels you have a little bit more confidence than that. If we don't get the counter press here, we're just they're going to put the ball over the top and we're in trouble. So it, it yeah. was a nice little difference that hopefully carries on uh, future games. Because it just, I think for me, one of the parts of Gracia was just if he could sort out the defence even a little bit, it'd just be a little bit of improvement. And it was nice to see a few things, even if it was against Southampton. Okay. Um, question four. So this is the fourth game we've seen of, of double pivot of McKenney and Adams. Are we seeing any progress in this partnership, Tom?
2: Um, I think in this system it's worked better than what it did in the more red bully systems. Um I think in this one, because we were being more reserved and not as pressy, it worked a little bit better. I still think that we lack progression from them both. And but then I don't know where Rocker fits in if we're staying with a four four two sort of formation, four two two two. Um I'm not entirely sure where he can come in there.
1: Yeah. What, what what do you make of this, Martin? Because I think I've seen you've um, actually tweeted about it today. And it's, I think we might have discussed it in our group chat about that McKenney actually was, you felt he was quite progressive. Because for me, when I was watching the game, it, it felt like he was doing a lot of sideways balls, a lot of backwards balls. and like There were little things he did into the channels. Um, and there was obviously that one pass where I think he was like two on one. With a defender, and he actually just he played the pass sort of sideways rather than into the path. I can't remember who was running onto it, um, and that was a bit annoying. But you, you you felt he did quite well with progressive passing, didn't you?
3: Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, on, on my first assessment of the game, um, when I was talking to my my brother about it, I, I was like, "That was that was crap." Um, McKenney was not good at, at all, and that was my opinion. I thought I could, I'd been relatively. I was, oh, I'll give him time. I'll give him time to see if he improves. And so then when I when I did a rewatch, uh, I wanted to focus a bit more on him because I'd seen the, the stats that were involved in in the game. And that game actually, McKenny was our most progressive passer. He actually put up 11 progressive passes, which was far more than any of our players, as well as the most passes into the penalty area. So I f- clearly felt that I didn't remember seeing that in the game, so he just, uh, I'm not sure, one of those things where you you, you let yourself get coloured by a couple of really bad passes, and yes, he did make a couple of really bad passes, especially the one to Ar- Aronson, and um, if that ball was played right, that's a goal, or at least a good shot on target for the keeper to try to save. So yeah, that, uh, but when, when I watched it back, I paid more attention to him in general, and I did notice the, the passes then a bit more, like you mentioned before, some of the passes that, that down the channels when he was, if it would fill in kind of in the left back area when Furpo was a little bit further forward, which I liked, and he'd, he'd play the passes down the line to them. There's some good combinations going between him and Nonto and, and Furpo, so I'd really like that. I also saw him dictating play, just giving a little arm motions to where it, there's players in space to so when he's on the ball especially, I thought it really much with non so what he was doing that and I felt like I was much more happy with his contribution when I did focus on what he was doing when he wasn't on the ball because I think he is very clever at finding space and using it well so I think it was probably his best game for us so far personally
1: Yeah, we've, um, we've actually got a few follow-up questions from people in the Discord so I'll, I'll go through these and then just Every you jump in so the first one was from the gangster who's asked how to utilize um mckenny and aronson should willie play as a striker if playing the fourth four two 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 and can we play with bamford sinney willie rodrigo all at once and should we and another question from jamie in our discord how slash if mckenny adams rocker can all fit in the team especially if we're going to stick with a four four two
3: i'll jump in on the, on the first part of that um with playing willie as a striker i'm more than happy for Willie to play as a striker. I think he is, is a cap- capable presser, and he's also good at uh, moving into spaces in that, that position. I do think that he would be a really good complement to Bamford, so I will be fine to see that. Um, whether we should play Bamford, Sydney, Willie, and Rodrigo all at once, um, I, I think it could work. Um, it's just getting them all fit at the same time is the problem with Cine and Rodrigo of course but possibly towards the end of the season we may be able to see how it works but when we've got a fully fit squad we do have quite a lot of attackers so there will be some of them missing out which is a good thing because we would have options off the bench then so I I, I do think that's that's a good thing in itself actually having options to play and not just relying on 17 18 year olds off the bench to make an impact.
2: Yeah, Tom what are
1: your thoughts on those questions? Well, he's 18, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is indeed, um, he is indeed, but he's an exception.
2: Yeah. Um, regarding McKenney and Aronson, I think they both suffer from similar attributes of when we look at their downfalls, but they come across in different ways. So I think McKenney has, on my rewatch, I noticed that when McKenney did something good, it's when he didn't have a lot of time to think about what he had to do. So like the bad pass to Aronson that he gets wrong, he's got quite a bit of time there. He's taken a few touches. Um, and I think the same with Aronson when he slows his game down he makes the correct choice but the issue is when he gets his head down and he's just going for this dribble he seems to forget that there's other options out there um, so I'm I, on the rewatch I had more hope for Har- Aronson because I had a similar thought of McKinney. Um I thought Aronson wasn't great I remember thinking during the game get him off um, but then on the rewatch I realised that he did quite a few good things it was just, he's still a little bit weak. He probably needs the pre-season now that he knows what the Premier League strength is that he has to get up to. Um, fitting Rocker, Adams and McKenney in, it, it's in the four four two. the way that I'd probably see it is, I think, back to Grazius Watford, where he used Will Hughes on the right, and then he'd push up. And I think that you could play McKenney there and push him up. Um, and that'd be how you'd fit that in. And that'd probably be really good against... The bigger teams, where we need that bit more defensive, whereas when we're against maybe teams around us, we might want to have that more creativity, which is where we might see something like Willie, Rodrigo, Bamford and Sydney all at one sort of thing. Um, but that scares me in a defensive sense, having all them four on the pitch at the same time.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, The, the only thing um, I'll add on that is that with Aronson, was I think the, he's, he does see the pass, I think, most of the time. It's just he struggles with the timing, on it, so like he'll sometimes go for it, and like the player has to slow down, or he'll just hit it into the player that's marking him. And like, I think that'll hopefully come in time, and then it, you might see quite a big leap from him. Um, I hope, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all of what you guys said there. Okay, so I think I actually said question four last, yeah, this is question five, isn't it? So, question five Who do you think is going to benefit most with the change style, and is there anyone that you think might struggle to adapt? Martin,
3: I, think I, I like this question. Um, there's there are a few players who I think will benefit quite a bit. Um, the first one is Junior Furpo. I do think that he is going to do a lot better under on, on this style of play than he has done under Marsh. And that's because not everything is going up at 100 miles an hour all the time. He is able to get on the ball more and play and play more sensible passes at the time, but also linking up with his winger to get forward. And since he's got more time to do that, he doesn't have to rush it. And with us not pressing as high as, as what we were, there will be more cover. Defensively for him, a little bit more players in deeper areas, so he will be left as exposed. So I do think that furpo is going to be one of the ones who could adapt um, very well to this new system and benefit from it a lot. Um, and regards to the ones who would, who won't benefit as much, um, Rasmus at right back. That I don't think he would do very well in this system at all. One of his weaknesses is um, receiving the ball and. Uh, linking up with his players around him he, he just generally isn't that great at that kind of thing however if he was to be if we were to play a back three and play it with wing backs rather than full backs I do think that we could see a role for him there if we try to keep him higher because that's what he's done best for Denmark I think that is one possibility for him to be able to get into the team but if we do stick to a four four two, I think he will struggle
1: yeah, um, this seems like quite a good time to talk about Firpo because I think obviously he's scored the winner. I think a lot of people are talking about him. Uh, so Tom, what what did you make of him on Saturday? Because I've seen a lot of people saying that he's played very well and like are going one end of the extreme. There's a lot of people, well, a few people still saying actually he still did quite a, a few things wrong. Um, so what, what do you make of how how he did and how he's doing recent games? Really, because I think he's done pretty decent. Uh, really.
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely done a lot better than we've seen in the past eighteen months. Um I've always been someone who's wanted to just see him get some games on the trot and see how he could perform. Um and then yeah, we obviously saw his upside this this week and I know that um I think Udav have asked the question regarding Nanto and Ferpo's link up play and we've alluded to it already. Is he saw the he saw the opportunities to overlap and underlap at the right times and he got into that position because of that as well. And, yeah, as he also actually showed some good recovery anticipation um, when he got caught out with the ball over the top that one time. Um, which, actually, he I think everybody else played the offside trap and he tried to track the run. Um, so, he actually played him onside as well with that. So, it was actually a mistake which he made up for, though. And we've seen that that can sometimes adhere you to the fans here with people like Pontus Janssen. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think he's doing really well at the moment. I think, obviously, it's, I think it's all tongue-in-cheek, quite quite a bit of it at the moment, that we're seeing on Twitter with the fan base regarding him being the new saviour. Um, but I'm definitely on the redemption arc train of of Junior Firpo. Uh, I, I want to see him come good, mainly because it's been a long time since I've seen a good left-back at Ellen Road. Yeah. Since yeah, not,
1: yeah, I was going to say, I don't think there's been many in my time supporting Leeds. Like, if if Alioski is your best option there, it doesn't... Strike well for the, the amount of time I've been watching Leeds. Um, we did have a question from our Discord, actually. Sort of, you kind of touched on this earlier, Martin. Um, and you kind of, t- yeah, touched on the Rasmus stuff. So Uda, fast. Um, I'd like you to discuss what this means for Rasmus, as Ailing was involved a lot in build-up play, and for Stroke too, as Furpo was involved a lot in the final third. So yeah, you spoke about Rasmus, but what what do you think this means for strike going forward, especially if Werber seems to be maybe the first choice for that left side of centre back slot now?
3: It's it's gonna be difficult. Uh, period for for Strzok, I think, um, because I can't see Furpo being dropped at the moment, not on the, not in the current form that he's in, and also Whupfer the same. He's been playing well, and I know he's currently playing through the pain barrier, but I'd i imagine he should be okay with that in quite shortly. Um, but I, I think regards to the actual style of Gracia and Strauch, he may struggle with some parts of the final third play, um, especially the overlapping runs, because he doesn't have a great amount of pace, and acceleration especially, and I think that could be his downside. I well, know Firpo doesn't have a lot either, but I do think he has a bit more than what Strout does, and I would probably see him playing as centre-back under Grazia. I think he'll be fine as centre-back under Grazia. He will be fine. However, I do think he will probably be second fiddle to Verber because Verber has more ability to carry the ball, and that is something which Scratchy likes lights to have in a centre-back, and that, I think that will be one thing which he'll have over him. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure where his starting position would be. It's going to be a tough one, I think, but I do back Strout to play his way back into the team. Possibly if we go into a back-three shape, we may see more time with him, especially maybe as a central centre-back with Werber and Ailing at the side of him. then he could be more of the passive defender to the rest of them being aggressive. That is one thing that he does have over the rest of our defenders that I think most of the rest of our defenders... Are quite aggressive and proactive, and like just wanting to stop things straight away before anything happens. Whereas I think Strout does tend to th- sit back a bit and shepherd people more. So uh, I-, I do think he maybe he can force his way back in, but it's going to be a tough time for him.
1: Yeah, I think we're we're all on record at some point as saying that we all love Stroud and I would back him as well. I still think he's our best centre back. Um, I think he'll get in eventually, but yeah, it's again, it's like you said with the attacking options, it's it's nice to have options in a change rather than just
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: All right, so I'll go with uh, one more listener question to finish round off the uh, Southampton review. So this is from Louis Herbert on Twitter, and he asked, just a simple one, does this change of tactics give us a better chance of staying up? Uh, Tom I'll come to you first.
2: I think it does and I think having a head coach who can make changes during the game that are different tactically also makes a big difference (laughs) so I the first thing I said after after the game on Saturday was the choice to bring Nyonto off which I think a lot of people were questioning at the time um to bring him off for Somerville but to the reason he did that was because he said, OK, Somerville is a better right winger than Nyonto is, and I want to have a right-footed right winger and a left-footed left winger. And so making those sort of changes and then obviously his game management later on and what he told the team to do, uh, I think for the after the goal, we were two banks of four in a mid-block and then the, the front two would press maybe a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I think that change of game management from the head coach is probably going to was in a better stead than just a change of tactics as a whole.
1: Uh, Martin, what
3: do you think of this? I agree with all that Tom said there. Um, it's, this, the game management part is a very big thing for me, because with Mars we had the same subs at the same time. there seems to be pre-planned. Either that or it would just be a, like, a like-for-like a player, like a uh, central midfielder, a central midfielder, with no sort. to what that would do to us tactically. And 9 times out of 10, it wouldn't improve us it would just make us worse so i do think that especially when we do have more of our attacking players fit it will be very good to be able to have different options to respond to opposition weaknesses possibly if anything is spotted during the game and especially another thing which will do well with keeping us up is the is the fact that we will i think we will be conceding less goals um under grazia which will always be a good thing and if we can manage just to nick a couple of goals and stop the other team from scoring, it's, I, I, I do think yes, it is we have got a better chance of staying up. I do still think that it's going to be tough. I'm not saying it's going to be easy for him because it's a pretty tough challenge. I know. I know. We are now. Are we actually outside of the relegation zone at the moment, or are we still just in it? Yeah, I think we're, we're out at the moment. Yeah. We're out by Everton, a point, anyway. yeah. Yeah, we're just, we're just out of it, but things can change so very quickly. As we saw towards the end of last season, we thought that Burnley were dead and buried, and then they just pulled these victories out from nowhere. So anything can happen in a relegation battle, and I do think it's still going to be tough, but I do think that we have a better chance now.
1: Very good. Right, I think that draws the Southampton review to the close. Um. Normally, I just would just move on to the preview now, but Leeds do actually have a game uh, tomorrow night against Fulham in the FA Cup, and we'd normally just ignore the cup because it's all for cup football; it's not real football. But we've got to the we've got to the fifth round for the first time in year, so I thought just give it a second and um, discuss it briefly. So, um, Tom, what what are your thoughts on the game tomorrow night? Do you think we'll go full strength? Do you think it's just a chance for Gracia to work with the team again?
2: Um, I didn't think we'd go full strength. Until uh, Grazia's press conference today, I feel like we're going to be pretty close to that. Um, considering that apparently Strike and Coops aren't available, which means we're probably going to have to play Verber And like we said, he's carrying that knock. There were times on Saturday when he was ex- he was just rotating his arm and exercising his shoulder. Looked to be in a bit of discomfort. Um, yeah. But yeah, we haven't really got anyone else to go left back. Uh, then you're looking at right centre back, and you've got maybe Montiero will play. Um, but you're probably still going to stick with Koch and you'd probably see Rasmus. But then the rest of the front four probably picks itself, maybe Ruta starts, but you haven't really got yeah. much much other options. It's probably going to look quite full strength of players that at least are in that 14 to 16 that come on on, a, on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Martin, you got any thoughts on the Fulton game? Nothing
3: massive. Um, I'm not too fussed about having um, a run in the FA Cup, but as, as long as we don't lose badly, it's fine. Um, I think if if we'll be able to see some more of what Croatia's football is about. See how how we get how we any more changes that he makes, and so it's also a good opportunity for him to find what his f- best first eleven is. I know we don't have a full complement of players. We've got a few who are out at the moment, but it'd be good to see how how we'll, maybe if he does make any changes because we saw Harrison starting on the right wing. Be interesting to see whether he continues without starting from the off or if he plays Somerville. I think he probably will start with Somerville and uh, just but maybe Harrison plays on the left instead and we give Nonto a rest because we don't want to get Nonto injured. <laughs> he's precious to us, he's my precious, and we need to, <laughs> we need to protect him at all costs. Um, so yes, I, I'm not too fussed about the FA Cup. If, if we win, we win. If we don't, I won't be fussed.
1: Yeah, I actually saw um, a poll on Twitter today, and you kind of, sort of answered it for me, Martin, but if you had the choice of FA Cup win or relegation, which, which one would you go for if you could pick one? So, Martin, you're saying avoid relegation, I'm thinking, from what you've said. So, Tom, what would you say? Oh, I, I want to go
2: to Vilnius and see FK Zagarish. If that means having to play Plymouth on a Sunday, then I will take it.
1: Yeah, I'm completely on board. I'd rather go to Wembley, go, get the FA Cup, and then go to somewhere in like Azerbaijan on a Thursday. Yeah. It sounds great to me. Play Plymouth on the Sunday I work, even better. I can
2: work remotely. I'm sure you knew what might yeah, yeah, be, not being there c- every Thursday.
1: Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'll can. i I'll just fly out Wednesday morning. I'll be yeah. back out. It sounds great to me. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's probably the wrong answer, but it sounds more fun.
2: <laughs> it worked well for Wigan, didn't it, right? Mm, yeah. Mm.
1: Extremely <laughs> well, extremely well. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely come back since. Um, okay, right, well, um, we'll move on to the Chelsea preview now. So, Martin, um, you've watched Chelsea from the weekend or recently? Yeah, um, I, I watched the weekend's
3: game against Spurs. Um, that they, they started off really well in that game, I felt. And just as soon as Spurs went ahead, they just couldn't find a way back into it. Um, but regards to how the, the play, they've used quite a variety of shapes um, across um, Potter's games with them. Most recently, we've, we've been seeing a four-two-three-one 2 3 one using the last three games. Um, but they have used quite many different formations before these last few games. And that's something which, obviously, Potter's known for is change, depending on the opposition that he plays against. He does play relatively direct, and they don't really tend to focus on possession as much as what they did under Thomas Tuchel. Um, Although it's a 4-2-3-1, at times it will look more like a 4-3-3, because one of the um, central midfielders will drop deeper to help him build up. Um, It's been Enzo in some games, and other games it's been cover kick. Um, They have been one of the precious sides in the league, so we will expect to be high-pressed. Uh, they've generally had a very low PPDA um, against most teams. The only exception to that was when they're playing against a big six side. When their PPD does get a bit higher, but um, I feel I would expect that we will see uh, quite a highish press. It's more like an, an aggressive mid block version of a high press, but it just really still doesn't give you very much time. Um, and they'll like to win when it high up when they attack attacks break down and the focus played on one side of the pitch, followed by switching to an attacker on the opposite side of the play. So I think under on the, under on the Marsh that will, would have been a massive problem. But I don't think it will be as much of an issue. Um but we'll get into that more a bit later. Um with regards to the fullbacks, I do like sometimes the inverse, sometimes they don't, so that'll keep us guessing. I think most of the time they do like to keep them wide though. Um, But sometimes you'll see, um, maybe on the left, you'll see Sterling hugging the wing and uh, Chilwell will get a bit deeper. But they've also got quite a few injuries as well, which has interrupted um, certain things for Potter. But he's not having a good time at Chelsea at the moment.
1: Before we move on, you did mention PPDA. Um, Just... Do for all people that don't know what that is, could you just yeah. do a brief explanation, just in case that went over their head a bit? Yeah, of course. Sorry,
3: I'd, I should have explained that as I was going, but yeah, That's all right. I got too much into it. Uh,
1: PPDA is Passes
3: Per Defensive Action. So basically, if you've got a low PPDA, that means that you're interrupting your opposition with a defensive action m- more often, so you're not allowing them to pass. So uh, in one of the recent games, they had a, a PPDA of five. That meant that the opposition only had five passes. Um, before the wealth of defensive action, and that's something which we were quite high on under Marsh. Uh, so yeah, that's what PPDA is. And generally, the pressure sides have a low one, and the ones who don't like to press will have a high PPDA because they allow the opposition to have the ball.
1: Thanks for that, Martin. Okay. Um, we'll move on to thinking about the Leeds lineup now. So, Tom, what what do you expect the structures for Leeds to be in this game?
2: Um, I think we're probably likely to see something quite similar to what we did last week. Um, if he tries to get Rocker in, as I mentioned earlier, I'd like to see maybe McKenney in that right side and then Harrison on the left, um, and then we can maybe have Nyonto and Bamford as the front two. Um, on some of the stuff touching on what mine said with Chelsea, I was listening to the Straight Out of Cobham podcast. Uh, it sounds like Thiago Silva might be out, which means a change in shape to a back three might not be on for Chelsea. Um, so they might have to stick with the four-two-three-one and they were mentioning that um, James and Chilwell don't seem to have the licence to go forward in that as much for Chelsea as they'd like to. Uh, so that's hopefully something which works in our favour because I think, as you said, James and Chilwell are uh, very dangerous players from out wide of getting the ball in. Um, but yeah, I think for us, we're probably going to see the same back four and Mesley is obviously going to start and then a midfield, I'd like I'd like to see Harrison, Rocker, Adams and McKenney. And try and maybe have that kind of situational four four two four two two that we were talking about, and then yeah, non-turn Bamford for me.
1: Yeah. So you're saying like bringing McKenna, as you mentioned earlier, sort of to compensate for them being a stronger opposition yeah. gives a bit more defensive
2: defensive um, yeah, especially sort of support, against really. like Chilwell and Sterling possibly on the left. Yeah. Um, I think Harrison and Furpo would hopefully be able to deal with uh, Madouike, who I imagine is going to play on the right. And obviously, Mudrick yeah. might also play on the left though, as well, which would definitely re- require two on, two on him.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any disagreements on that, Martin, or does that, does that sound what you would sort of go for?
2: I'd l- I'd
3: largely agree. Um, the, I think it, if we had a full complement, I think Grazia might may have liked to have shifted to a back three, uh, just to give that extra protection because Chelsea's attacking lineup is very very stacked and good, <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> Um, but since our, our personnel we've got isn't full, it will most likely be a four-four-two, And I also would like to see McKinney, um playing in the right midfield spot, um, because it's something that I feel like is one of his best positions. he will let him get forward more and contribute on the right side where he's strongest. Uh, when I saw him play and when I scoured him uh, before he joined us he, at Juventus, he played a lot. As a right, right midfielder, he played a, in a, in a four-four-two system as well, so he knows what that involves. So I think that would be a good option to see what how he can do there in a different position. And but we possibly might not even see Rocker back yet. Um, he only played five minutes, so it's quite possible that he doesn't play either. We'll see what the game tomorrow brings. If Rocker is able to start, then then it's possible that he will start the weekend as well. But we'll see. And then up front, um, it's. I think we'll probably see Ruta get... Uh, no, that's the FA Cup, sorry. I'm mixing up FA Cup and Premier League now. Uh, Ruta will stay on the bench. Yeah, I'd, I would agree it's most likely to be Nonto and Bamford. Um, but we'll see. It could, could well be Aronson again. But it's going to be very similar, I think, either way, especially in the defensive third.
1: Yeah, so Martin, you've been. Well, you both mentioned they're scary attacking players, but where do you think we can hurt Chelsea? I do think that,
3: it, that we can attack them well in transition. I do think that, especially when if they do let um, Chilwell and James get further forward, I do think that we are very capable and have the players to be able to expose um, that space and to make best use of it. That is generally what what likes to do against bigger sides is hit them in transition. So I think that is what we'll focus on, just letting them have a hold of the ball, even though, like I said, they're not a side which focuses on possession. I think they will have most of the ball, mainly because of how good their players are. They'll just naturally keep hold of the ball better. Um, and I think if we can keep a steady mid-block going, if we can restrict space to the, to their attackers, um, try to k- keep things Quite, keep people close together so we've always got cover for each person that is something which I have liked from Grazia's side in the past and what I've watched anyway is that he does have a very solid shape which makes it difficult for opposition to play between the lines which is a lot of what Chelsea like to do is try to attack that um, half space or whatever you want to call it um, yeah so that's pretty much what all I can say that we can try to hurt them is with that kind of play
2: hitting them fast on the break
1: Tom have you got anything to add to that?
2: Um, no, not really. I think Martin covered everything. I'm hoping that from some of the stuff which I watched the West Ham Chelsea game, the two disallow goals that Chelsea had were from West Ham playing a high line and them trying to beat the defenders in that way. Um so hopefully if we drop deep like we tried like we did a bit more against Southampton, that should alleviate some of their dangers. Uh, I saw this morning that Enzo Fernandez has apparently been the most dribble pass player since he joined. Um, the Premier League, so I do wonder if that's something which Aronson and Nonto could maybe exploit if we were to do that.
1: Yeah, sound, sounds good to me.
2: Or Rutter if he's on.
1: Yeah, or even, even Aronson yeah. to an extent could, could try that. Um, Tom, how how do you see this game playing out then?
2: Um, a lot of possession, I think, Another something which Martin said he picked up on from the Spurs game and the podcast that I listened to mentioned as well. Apparently a pattern for Chelsea is that they dominate the ball for 30 minutes and look quite good and then it goes goes to pot for them. Um, so if we can get past that 30 minutes and then hopefully look and kind of do what we did against Southampton, make the correct changes that help and then uh, and then hopefully go from there,
0: yeah.
1: And I'll come to the, the age-old question, where will this game be won or lost? Martin, I'll come to you first.
3: Um, it'll be won by Chelsea if they manage to cash in on the serious XG underperformance they've had in recent months. Um, seriously they've been massively underperforming their XG for a while and then they're coming against us so if they can cash in on that and their attackers match their XG or even exceed it um, we could see quite a few goals (laughs) against us and if their elite attackers play well and that's also a big thing as well but there's also plenty of opportunity for Leeds to win it if we can try to steal a goal on a counter attack then keep things tight and stop them from equalising um, but yeah, it's gonna gonna be mainly down to I think Chelsea finishing their dinner, so to speak.
1: What about you, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think it's if Chelsea's attackers perform. I think we've said, or it's been said, um, they it seems like that's kind of how Potter's set them up now to kind of just let them solve it with the elite players that they've got. So if their elite players can solve the problems that Grazia puts out for them, then you know I think that's. Where it's going to be won or lost. Um, hopefully, Meslier can have one of his better performances. I know there's been quite a bit said regarding his underperformance of XG, uh, post-shot XG to goals conceded. Um, I've had a look at that, and it's more that the games in which he has performed bad in, he's performed really bad in, uh, where he's fallen really below his average. Uh, I think, really, uh, most of the games you can't confidently say whether he's overperformed or underperformed. Um, but yeah, so probably Meslier's performance will come into it as well.
1: Okay, yeah, I think we're all done, by the sounds of it, We've, um, unless anyone else has got anything else to add. In that case, we'll be back early next week, we'll review the match, but in the meantime, I'll say thank you to Tom.
2: Thank you very much for having me on.
1: No worries, and thank you to Martin. Thank you too. And thank you to all listeners for uh, the listening. really. I <laughs> will see you back next week for a review of the Chelsea game. Bye.